I'm excited for this year. Are you? I mean, I'm really excited. I think I'm more excited than I've ever been about ministry and about church and about what God is going to do. And uh, I just say we just, in the words of my dad, buckle your seatbelts and hold on. And I say, buckle up, baby, because we're going on a ride. Can I call you baby? Is that okay? Just don't call me that back. Isaiah chapter 61, uh, we're going to go to several scriptures. We're actually going to go to Leviticus 25, Isaiah 61, and then we're going to end up in Luke 4. I want to read this passage from the New Living Translation. It says this. Uh, I'm actually going to read 11 verses. I'm going to read fast so I can preach. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. To bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released. And prisoners will be freed. He has seen me or sent me to tell those who mourn, I love this, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, let me stop, he's not talking about a country, he's talking about a people. If you are born again, and you're under the new covenant, you are Israel. You understand? Israel is not just a country, Israel is a people. We'll get to that in a minute. He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them although they have been deserted for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will, be, you will feed on the treasures of nations, and you will boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully, listen to these words, reward my people for their suffering. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation. He has draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Everybody say amen. God 
in his very nature is redemptive. God is a redeemer. His very nature is redemptive. One author actually said it like this. He said, in God's redemptive nature, you see it in two ways. You see his redemptive nature through that of covenants and that of incarnation. That all the way back in uh, Genesis, you will find where God began to make covenant with a guy by the name of Abraham. That very first covenant, before there was a law, before there was commandments, before there was any of this, he made a covenant, uh, mind you, it was a covenant of grace with Abraham. And in, in his covenant with Abraham, he gave Abraham a couple promises. One of those promises was this, everywhere you go, I'll give you, and your children and your children's children, they will always be blessed. Now that's very significant because in understanding God's redemptive nature, and if you have to, if you, excuse me, if you look at it in terms of um, redemptive nature, in terms of covenant, and in terms of incarnation, Here's what he's saying. God's redeeming work, number one, is prompt and it's ceaseless. In other words, God never stops redeeming. God never stops redeeming. And we see this because... Um, <clears throat> Because through Abraham and after man sinned and Adam messed up and Adam made the mistake or however we want to label that. I'm not getting into all of that today. But, but through man's sin, through man's mess up, God said this, I'm going to hold out a promise of redemption. We think that God was just mad and kicked Adam out of a garden. That's not what happened. God actually gave Adam a start at redemption to simply start over again. You can't handle the garden. I'll tell you what, let's just put you out of here. You can work and toil and labor, but I still have a plan. So Abraham comes along, and with Abraham we see, I actually think if you go back all the way to Genesis 3 concerning the creation, you see that in man's sin, God's redemptive nature is made very visible, and it became very typical when it came to Abraham that God made a human being. He took a human being by the name of Abraham. He made Abraham his helper, and he said to Abraham, not only are you going to be my helper, but we're going to be friends. There's going to be a friendship between me and you, Abraham, and, and, and you are going to help me work in this redeeming uh, nature that I have. Your children and your children's children will be blessed, and, and through Abraham's obedience, God redeemed, or if I can put it like this, God reestablished what his original intent was for humanity. He reestablished it, and he said, let's start. That's very important because that alludes to the fact that if we understand where we are today, we talk about the year of Jubilee. Where do we see the year of Jubilee? We see it first in Leviticus chapter 25. And in Leviticus 25, you see that, that they list. I ain't going to quote all of this to you. I'm just going to give you some highlights. Here's what it says in the original year of Jubilee, that after... Um, after seven years, after seven times seven, 50 years comes, here's what God says you're going to do. God says you're going to, you're basically going to see supernatural favor. You're going to have supernatural blessing. The, the, those that are enslaved will go free. You, you will see that happen. And really, if you study the word jubilee, uh, was really, uh, uh, 
uh, this thing called the Webster's Dictionary. And sometimes you just got to go to it. And here's what Webster's Dictionary said about the year of Jubilee. I, I love what it said. It said that the year of Jubilee was a time to where, where the people of God would enter into divine rest. Not, not rest in sense of not working or not this, but they rested in the fact that the God, their, the God of their people rest in the fact that everything they had believed God for up to that point, God was going to accelerate in that year and make it happen. Uh, Webster's Dictionary says it like this. It gives one word for jubilee. It says reset. In other words, it was a divine reset, a divine initiative that the genuineness of God and his relationship with people, that he was going to form a covenant community not, not, not a church community per se for the sake of church, but a people of covenant that understood that if God has promised us something, if we, if we are in covenant, do you know what covenant is? Covenant is, it's basically an agreement. It's a, it's a deal. It's a something. I don't have time to visit all the covenants in the Bible. You have the blood covenant. You have the salt covenant. You have uh, all these different ones. I don't have time to get in all that. But like marriage, I made a covenant with my wife when, when, when in Wise Virginia at Zion Family Ministries, when we said our, our I do's, uh, uh, there was a covenant between God and me and my wife. For better, for worse, for sickness and health, till death do us part. That was the covenant. That still excites me. I think that worries her at times, but uh, that's still the covenant, right? That, that we have that. That is that type of covenant between God and his people that goes all the way back to Abraham, and yet we see it in Leviticus 25. Let me, let me just fast forward some things for you and, and rewind some things to show you. Adam and Eve mess up. Uh, uh, Cain kills Abel. Man, there's something there about Cain, too. Even when Cain was in error, God still protected him. What a mess with your crawl, won't it? Even when he was messed up. You know the, the dialogue? I've been studying this out lately. You want to talk about the magnitude of God's grace? Even when Cain killed Abel, as evil as that was, a, a Cain, in return, was afraid for his life. And most of us in our humanity said, well, he should have been. He said to God, they're going to kill me. What does God say to Cain? He says, no, I'm going to mark you. And everywhere you go, people will watch this. This is what the Bible says. People will know your mind. Well, that'll make you shout. People will know you're mine. I'll protect you. I'll deal with you, but they won't deal with you because you're mine. That'll mess with you. Let's keep going. Uh, Noah, Noah's Ark. We find that in Noah's Ark that, that really, no matter what you want to allude to when it, concerning the flood and all of this, it was God's redemptive nature and God's redeeming work where he reset things and said, no, I'm not done yet. I'm just willing to start it over at this point. That is beautiful. That's how God works in nature. Well, it didn't stop there. You go to the book of Exodus, and there's Moses. Moses, who who is who is grown up as a prince of Egypt. He 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 understood uh, Egyptian law and Egyptian ways, even though he was a Hebrew boy. And what does God do with Moses? He calls him. He changes him. He has relationship with him. He has covenant with him, and he says to Moses, "You're going to go back to." 
to Pharaoh and you are going to deliver my people from their bondage. That was a reset. When they come to the Red Sea, uh, Egypt is behind them. There's an ocean in front of them, a Red Sea in front of them, not really an ocean, a Red Sea in front of them. God parts the waters. That is very significant of what it's like leaving death and stepping into life. They walk over on dry land. That is a reset or redemption. That is a jubilee moment that took place in Israel because God by nature is a redeemer. God has always and always will be a redeemer. That's why, you know, what's funny is, is, is God is so easy to give grace to us where it seems like we don't deserve grace, and yet we fail to give grace to people because they made us mad. It's pretty amazing, ain't it? God's nature is a redeeming nature. God, by, the, by that, is a redeemer. There is uh, too many reference points that I can provide to really kind of unla- un- un- unravel the whole redemptive nature of God. Really, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck when I tell you this, but on January the 1st, if you start at Genesis and you get to Revelation at the end of the year, uh, you probably will see God's redemptive nature in all the pages of this Bible because that's who he is. Is He is redemptive, and that's the point I want to drive home before we get in anything else, that the only constant in Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, the only constant and congruent pattern you will find, I don't care if you try to study the festivals, I don't care if you're trying to understand Jewish customs and laws, I don't care if you're trying to understand eschatology, uh, the rapture, the tribulation, the mark of the beast, whatever, all of those distractions, let's just be honest, can be, I don't I don't, I don't care what you try to study. If you cannot find God's redemptive nature in any of that, one, you're either studying it wrong or you don't know the God you serve. God is redemptive by nature. Adam and Eve, um, they weren't destroyed. They were positioned to start over. Uh, Isaiah 61, we just read it. The word of the Lord comes, and this is what he says. Isaiah 61, after Leviticus 25, is another jubilee moment. This is what God says to the prophet over the people. He says this. This is the year that God has established. This is the acceptable year of God's favor. The prophet goes on to say, the prophet uh, Isaiah, the Spirit of God is upon me. He has anointed me. The time of God's favor has come. For all of those who have been in mourning, he will crown beauty for ashes. For all of those that have been downtrodden and depressed, instead of mourning, praise will be your God. Festive praise will rise from your lips. You're positioned. He says you'll be like tall oaks, mighty oaks that stand, that are immovable because you have seen my favor, you have seen my hand, I have been moving you, and I'm going to position you, my children, to be the great people that I know you are to be because I created you to be great. Did you know that there's not one person that's in covenant with Jesus that greatness is not assigned to you? Do you know what greatness is? Greatness tells you this. Do you go back to Deuteronomy? The greatness of God and his redeeming nature is this. You are the head and not the tail. 
You are above and not beneath. You are blessed and you're not cursed. That when you, when the waters won't overtake you, the fire won't overtake you, that no matter where your feet trod, the favor and blessing of God is upon your life. And this year for us is important, not only just because it's 50 years our church has been here, not only because we're, we're going to do some celebratory things for that, but as I've told you over the last few months, I've been hearing God say that this will be the greatest year that Abundant Life Christian Center has ever seen. And I want to reiterate that in this moment right now. This will be the greatest year that Abundant Life Christian Center has ever seen. We're believing God. We, 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 we're taking God at his word that this year, 2023, is the year that God does something that we have never seen before. As a matter of fact, we have titled this year Jubilee 23. What does this mean for us? What does Jubilee mean for us? us. What does it mean for Abundant Life Christian Center? What does it mean for, for this church, our families, our, our finances, our callings, our, our job situations, our businesses? What does it mean? It simply means this, that God has said through every year that we have been in existence and for every year that we've labored and toiled and we've sown in tears and, and we've done our best and, and we have, we have, we have did, done our best to lift high the name of Jesus for the last 50 years, God says, this is the year, this is the acceptable year of my favor that's going to come up on this house, and what you have believed me for, what you have put in, what you have put in motion for, you, for your church and for your family and for yourself, God says this, I am going to absolutely impart my greatness into where you are, and at the end of this year, you will look back on today and recognize this one thing, you are better then than you are now because the good hand of God's work has been at work in this church, in our families, in our lives, in our businesses, in our checking accounts, in our children, in our grandchildren, in our brothers, in our sisters, unlike ways that we have never seen before. Why? Because the same God that is redemptive by nature is not a liar by nature. And if God has said it, it puts a demand on God himself to perform exactly what he said said he is going to do. Can I help somebody in this room right now that this is an after the fact moment? There might have been a pandemic. Things might have slowed down. People might have got hurt. Things might have went a little awry. But after the fact, through the ashes, the smoke, the fire, and the flood, we will still see that the name of the Lord is worthy to be praised because the same God that started it is the same God that's going to finish it. I'm here to tell you it is jubilee your sons and daughters will be born again the prodigals are going to come home the good hand of God is going to be at work and what we see now is going to look drastically different in the future why because God will perform his word jubilee after the return after the festivals in, in Leviticus twenty or Leviticus twenty five, after the festivals, you you see Jubilee, the seventh month, the seventh day, seven times seven, uh, ends up being fifty years. It's a it's a year of mega rest, mega freedom. It's 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 reset. And we see this in the passage that we read because God has a plan. God is very much in order. God is not schizophrenic. God has a plan. 
God knows exactly what he's doing before you think you ever know what God is doing. From the beginning of time, God knew. Let let me help you. God is not surprised that the rapture hasn't happened yet. We are way more worried about the rapture than God is. I ain't got time to get on that. We're, may, we're way more worried about the rapture and the mark of the beast and everything else than God is. God is not concerned with it at all. All I know is, is until those things happen, we have a responsibility to live up to the standard of which God has placed on our life. Now, when I say standard, I'm not talking about a bunch of rules and laws. And, man, I'm not talking about living something where you're striving and time trying to make it. I'm talking about the standard of simply understanding that you and I were created simply as sons and daughters. And if we are sons and daughters of the king of all of glory, then everything that is in heaven that we have access to, we also have the availability to access the heavens and bring it to earth. Man, ain't nobody checking in. I imagine this sermon already, we was already doing cartwheels by now. So when Jubilee comes, Isaiah says this. He says, you're going to have incredible, I, I, I'm going to sound very old school Pentecostal for a second, yoke-destroying anointing will be on your life. What about you? We need the anointing. I was praying over those cards the other day, and, I was praying over some people and I was praying over some situations and I just said this to the Lord. I said, you know what, Lord, it's been a long time since I cast the devil out of somebody. I'd like to do it all year. I'm ready for it, man. I'm ready to see some deliverance happen because we have spent way too much time trying to counsel what we need to cast out. Come on, somebody. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to see some limbs grow and some ears open and some eyes open. I'm ready to see those that nobody thought that they they had no hope, there was no hope for their life, hear the gospel and their life come to life. He said there's going to be unprecedented yoke-destroying anointing, that God's favor is going to be poured out, that instead of mourning and weeping and and walking around with this oh my mentality of of what was and what is, in, in, in the year of Jubilee, that your mourning is going to be traded off for praise. Debts will be forgiven. I'm not, it's not just financial debt. Now, I, I know there's some people praying for that, and, and we're going to pray for that, and we're going to believe God for that. I'm believing that for myself in some areas. But I want to tell you this, too. It's not just that. Some of us are going to be forgiven for the unforgiveness that's in our heart. Whether, whether you needed to get forgiveness or give forgiveness, in the year of Jubilee, that happened. Some of you are going to forgive yourselves for maybe what happened in your children because it wasn't your fault. God says, I'm going to remove that burden and I'm going to take off that heaviness and I'm going to put praise back on their lips again. That's what happens. It's this, uh, that there is supernatural alignment. In verse 2, the latter part of verse 2 or or verse 3, it says says you're going to be like great oaks. You're going to be positioned. I like this in verse 5. It says the enemy has to give back what was stolen. 
that the enemy literally has to return. Now, this is alluded to in the words of Isaiah of foreigners. He's talking about people from other lands, other, if I could put it this way, enemies that crept in and stole what the people of God had. This is what he said in Jubilee, that, that when Jubilee happens, everything the enemy stolen, not only will I give it back to you, but I'll give it back to you running over. In other words, if you think the enemy has gotten your children, the good news for 2023 is this. The enemy has to give your children back this year. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? That, that's what we're believing God for. It says this, that God delivers and he reestablishes his everlasting covenant, his everlasting covenant. Who told you? Can I just preach for a second? Who, who told you? What convinced you? What brought you to the place that said God is done? What brought you to the place that told you that it was over? What brought you to the place where you keep looking back on what was instead of embracing the God that is and is to come? Who told you that it wasn't going to happen? Whatever you're believing God for. I come in this room today with a word from heaven for you. I come to tell you that it's not over. It's with big faith. It's with big hope. It's with big expectation today that we start at this place and we realize that in this year of Jubilee the same God that did it for Abraham, the same God that did it for Isaac, the same God that did it for Moses, the same God that did it for the three Hebrew children, the same God that did it for Noah, the same God that did it for David, the same God that did it for Esther, the same God that did it for Ruth, the same God that brought Naomi out of Moab is the same God in Marion, Virginia on January the 1st, 2023. He says, I'm bringing you out and I'm bringing you too. He's going to bring you to freedom. He's going to bring you to joy. He's going to bring you to praise. He's going to bring you to complete gratification. Why? Because he is still at work redeeming what you thought you've lost. He's simply redeeming it. I mean, you got to understand he's redeeming it. And we got a decision to make. We literally have a decision to make today, church. If I can be your pastor for a second, we really have a decision that we have to come into agreement to uh, from head down, from pastor to the pew. We got to come to agreement. Do we really believe it and are we really going to embrace it? Are you really willing to go there with me? Are you really willing to make the journey with you? I mean, I mean, who in here is really willing to step up and declare for yourself that your church is going to reach your community, that, 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 that the school systems can be changed, and, and that, that our families will be saved, and, and, that, and that, 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 that everything that was lost can be restored, and everyone that is bound will be delivered, and, and that favor is ours, and revival is ours, and the glory of God being poured out is ours. I mean, who is really willing to believe it? with me are you really willing to go there with me I think we really need to just stop right here and think about the magnitude of what we're asking and what we're saying and what we're trying to do it sounds good but are you really willing to go there with me I think we need to stop right here and simply praise God in advance for what he is saying on this platform today he is the same God that starts from the ending and goes to the beginning so he knows what's going to happen in February already he knows what's going to happen in 
march already. And I think we need to stop right here. I think we need to put our hands together and lift our voices like a trumpet because the God that is here today has already been in our tomorrow, which means your children have already been delivered. Your finances have already been delivered. The revival has already come. Souls are already being saved. Why? Because he is here. I need you to praise him. I need you to lift up your voice like a trumpet and recognize the God of all that is is moving amongst us today. Praise him. Oh my God, help me Jesus. I said praise him. I said praise him. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my I will bless the Lord and I will not forget his benefits. He heals all my diseases. He, he gives me everything that I need. My family shall be saved. That's a testimony of God's goodness. I mean, we gotta, we gotta start right. See, in the year Jubilee, I, I found something funny. I, 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 I was reading that in Leviticus, Leviticus 25, and when they started Jubilee, they would break out a shofar. I'm not a fan of the shofar in modern times. Too many bad stories of those. Phew. They'd take the shofar and they would, they would announce before a festival and at the year of jubilee they would sound the trumpet that trumpet was significant because when the priest would blow the shofar that was a sound that was signifying that the time of god has come y'all hear what i just said so why are you trying to get us to praise right now well we don't have shofars in here but you do have breath in your lungs and when the word says, let everything that has breath, praise ye the Lord. See, you determine in your heart today on January the 1st. You can start 2023 like 2022 if you want to. I'm not going back there. I'll tell you right, I'm not going back. I didn't leave nothing in January 2022. I didn't leave nothing in February 2022, March of 2022. I didn't leave nothing in, uh, in August of 2022. As a matter of fact, probably from October to now, God's really done an accelerated work in my life. If I can just help you, I ain't going back to none of that. But you know what your pastor is going to do today? I'm going to stand on this stage and I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to say, blessed be the name of the Lord who was and is and is to come. He is the God that will perform everything he said he was going to do. He is going to do it. So bless the name of the Lord. We got to praise. See, no longer, no longer is this church, pastor for a second, no longer is this church going to look back and hang out there. We're not going to look back and hang out there. I'm not going to talk about shutdowns no more. I'm not going to talk about what was. Let me help you. I understand that God moved here in times past, but let me help you. The 90s are over. We're not looking back anymore. 
we're not going to look back and hang out there. No, this is a dawning of a new day for this church. This is the dawning of a new year. 2023 is not just a year for us to get hyped up and primed up. It is a catalyst where God is reworking everything and recreating an identity that says, I still have a plan not only for this church, but I have a plan for this county, and I have a plan for these families, and I have a plan for these people. I sat and talked with a pastor from around here yesterday in my office. We sat for about two and a half hours, and we talked, and we began to talk about some of the things he's seen and some of the things that I've seen, and it was almost like I heard the Lord say to me, here's what we're going to do. In everything, we are going to give me praise. Do you understand that the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people? That means it becomes the dwelling place. That's that's his home. See, that's that's why you got to understand something. Praise is not, con- I don't even know why I'm talking about praise so much. Praise is not contingent upon how you feel. Praise is contingent upon how big your God is through the faith that you see him with. You don't, you don't praise God because you feel good. You praise God because he is good. You don't praise God just because you're on the mountaintop. You praise God when you're in the valley. You don't just praise God when life is going right. You praise God when life is going bad. In every season, in everything under the sun, you've got to learn to praise him. The church has to, we got to get our praise back. We got to get our celebration back. We got to get back to the place that it doesn't matter that, that maybe what we're facing seems to be bigger. Our God is bigger than the thing that we're facing. Ladies and gentlemen, for some of you that have been praying for certain things so long and you're about to give up and throw in the towel, stop praying and start praising. Stop just worrying about it and say, God, there's nothing else I can say to you except this. You are good in all things and in all things you are. So I will trust you and take you at your word. If you need provision, he is still Jehovah Jireh. If you need healing, he is still Jehovah Rapha. If you need a, if you're in warfare, he is Jehovah Nisi. If you need sanctification, he is Jehovah Makadish, the God that sanctifies you and sets you apart. He is everything you need in every season that you're in. Therefore, he is worthy. So, as long as we're here, we're going to praise. Oh, that's good, isn't it? If you give me 10 more minutes to give you this, that we see this in Genesis, we see this in Exodus, we see it in Leviticus. As a matter of fact, you see it in Ezra and Nehemiah as well. It was also a Jubilee moment. That's why Judah was set before the walls when they were rebuilding the walls. Praise is a barrier that the enemy can't cross. I don't care the level of the devil. That's true. I don't care the size of the fight. I'm not, y'all know me by now, I'm not a guy that is super spiritual. I, I don't think there's demons under every rock, but I messaged a few of you last week when I knew, I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that I was under demonic attack. And 
three weeks time there was 11 unexpected doctor's visits that my family had to take fevers were popping up out of nowhere I was being woken up in the middle of the night between 2 and 3 a.m. every morning up most of the time until the sun would come up I had a kidney stone the Lamb of God I had strep throat for the first time in 18 years. I don't have tonsils. I had this. There's, there was sickness that was coming out of nowhere, and I am not one to always blame the devil, but I am one that has had to wrestle with the devil a few times in my life, so I am not ignorant of his devices. And the only thing that it alludes to is this old cliche in the church that he only attacks when he's nervous. <sighs> I was up one morning. It's about 3.30. Leland had spiked a fever. I mean, he was roasting. Out of nowhere. We, he'd already completed antibiotics was fine and then just out of nowhere he's sitting on my lap he just went from playing with the dog to sitting on my lap we're looking at something on tv and just in a matter of minutes he was roasting he said daddy i don't feel too good the weirdest thing i'd ever seen took his temperature a little high tried to get over his mama Finally got a hold of her. I think he's got a fever. Called the doctor. They said, let's just give it 24 hours. You know how doctors do. It's okay if they're foaming at the mouth. Bring them tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, let's put targeted prayers for the healthcare system. Can we do that? I mean, I'm being legit. I wake up, it's about 3 a.m., and he had crawled into the bed with us, and I could feel the heat coming off his body. Just, gosh, man. I laid my hands on him. I prayed for him. I prayed for him when he was awake once. I was praying in the Holy Ghost. I was speaking in tongues. And he, he opens his eyes. He said, hey, what are you saying? I said, buddy, I'm just praying. I'm just praying. That's how I pray. And, and um, it's the Holy Ghost. He likes the word Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. Hey, so you tell the Holy Ghost that sounds weird. That's what he said to me. I said, well, I think you just told him, and uh, he probably heard you. I prayed, and going to do, do, and man, I, I did that, you know, that Shambach kind of praying. Y'all know who Shambach is, right? I laid that hand on him. I did it all while he was asleep in that bed, and nothing happened. Fever didn't broke, then I got mad. So I walked downstairs, and I sat down on the couch, and everybody else was asleep, and I said, Lord, I don't get this. I said, Lord, I don't get this. And I heard the Lord say to me, he said, sometimes it's not up to you to get, it's just up to you to endure. And my response to my heavenly father was this, that ain't good enough for me. Y'all <clears throat> quit acting like you're so holy. If he is a good, good father, I'm going to talk to him like he's my father. That response, God, is not good enough for me. And do you know what I heard? Nothing. Now, so I, in my frustration, I, I said, man, I got to, I, I, 
it's not that I'm afraid to ask for prayer or that I'm ashamed to ask for prayer. It's, not, it's nothing like that. I'm just not one to typically try to ask for prayer. Does that make sense? Everybody else has their own problems. They don't need mine. But I heard the Lord say, you need to pray. Get some people praying. So I texted my good counsel, and uh, all of them but one responded. So they're going to say, you are, Gary. And uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. And we had counsel. Then I, I messaged some people, some other people, and I said, listen, I really need you to be praying. This is what's going on. This stuff's getting a little crazy for me, and I just need some people to pray with me. I messaged some people that was outside of the church, and I said, man, I really, I really need you guys to be praying for me. There, there's clearly a demonic attack coming on, and, and, and I put in some of those messages, this is what God's been saying to me. This is what God's been doing in our church. This is where I feel like God has taken us, and, 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 and this. And then somebody responded, and they said, and do you think any of this is by accident? Pfft. Well, yeah. No, it's not by accident. It's not by accident. Because, see, we oftentimes want to blame the enemy. See, we blame him too much, and therefore, when we in our too much of blaming him, we don't recognize him when he's really moving. Come on, somebody. Not everything's the devil. You ought to have enough discernment to know when the devil is really being the devil. I'm going somewhere. I said, show this. So, so I began to pray. And man, in my prayer, I will tell you, I'm going to give you a couple things I saw. You know, I don't talk about this stuff much. I don't, I don't go here much, but I'm going to give you a little insight uh, of some of my prayer. So I began to pray. I said, God, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, I'm going to trust you. You're going to get us through this. My family's going to get better. We're going to be on the mend. I'm not worried about that. You're my healer. But God, what are you trying to do? All of this stuff, God, is just demonic distractions that's trying to get me off kilter. And when I prayed that prayer, all of a sudden, I saw chains begin to bust. Pop, pop before me. And you know what? You know what? Yeah, oh my God, help me Jesus. And I'm going to tell you when I saw some chains bust, I saw some of your kids' names in the middle of them. Pow. When I, when I saw chains begin to bust open, I saw husbands' names begin to just pow. When I saw, when I saw chains begin to bust, I, I, you know what? I, one time I saw walls in the church begin to bust because I heard the Lord say, you're going to have to make room. When I, when I saw chains begin to bust, I saw supernatural healings begin to take place that could only be done by God himself. When I saw one chain break and I saw those who were crippled under demonic possession and oppression delivered by the power of God and God said no son none of this is by accident all of this is on purpose don't get distracted you stay faithful because everything I've said is exactly what I'm going to do and don't you give up yet I need somebody to hear me it is jubilee See, uh, see, the year of Jubilee, Israel, in Isaiah 61, Israel was coming out of Babylonian exile. They had been ex exiled to Babylon, enslaved, encamped. And here is the prophet Isaiah who has heard the word of the Lord. And he says, this is the year. When I think about exile, what do you think about? I think about those that have been in captivity. I think about some of us who have been in captivity. I think about some of us who may be in captivity right now. You may not be captive by sin, but some of us are still haunted by our past. You may not be captive by anything immoral or anything carnal, but some of you still can't get over and I'm not talking about this to be insensitive but you are holding on to things that you've lost 
And God says, you didn't lose them. I took you from you. I, I, I didn't, you didn't just lose them. I was with you in the middle of you. Your children that seem like they're bound, you seem like that maybe you're going to give up. I'm going to tell you something. You listen to this. I was moved to tears yesterday morning when I heard the Lord say, my heart is still moving in the heart of the children. My heart is still moving in the heart of their children. That their children they think's running and lost. I'm telling you, I'm going after them with a reckless, savage love that's going to captivate them where they are. They just need to understand that I am on the move and I need my people to move with me. I'm here to tell you that when I think of exile, I think of all of these things, the walls that were built and, and the, the enemy that came and the death and the destruction. And yet in the middle of all of that, the prophet stands up and says, this is the year of the Lord. The spirit of God is upon on me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel and the, those that are bound will go free and those that are enslaved will go free and you will see the acceptable year of God's favor at work in your life. But what do you do if it's only a sermon? So there's one more place I got to take you. I'm done. It's known as the silent years between the old and the new covenant. We don't know much of what happened. I always get it. Is it Micah or Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament? Okay, good. Let's make sure you all knew that. From Malachi to Matthew, it's, it's this silence. We don't know much. Here's what, here's what we do know. There was a heaviness. There was a captivity. Religion had become the rule. Oh, help me, Jesus. What was supposed to be an image of God the Father on this earth became nothing more than a man-made, boxed-up, hemmed-in idea of what they thought God would do. Waiting, help me, Jesus, on a Messiah. In Luke chapter 4, he walks into a temple. This was also Jubilee. Help me, God. The Bible says he walks up taking the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He opens it up, and here he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Y'all getting this? to set at liberty those that are captive to give sight to the blind to redeem I'm paraphrasing what has been lost to restore your rightful place and the Bible says when he closes it there's silence and he sits down and when he sits down in his seat he speaks and he says that which I just read has been fulfilled before you this day. In other words, let me just help you understand Jubilee in a new covenant context. Jubilee is not a year. Jubilee is not a date. Jubilee is a person named Jesus. And if Jesus has saved you, and if Jesus has delivered you, and what all the names of the Old Testament can really be summed up in one name, the name of Jesus where every knee will bow and where every tongue confesses and where every crown 
ground falls at in Jesus himself, it is jubilee, not just in 23, but 24's jubilee and 25's jubilee because he that started it is still redeeming it today and he has not stopped redeeming it. And when man thought there was no more redemption, God himself, I will come in incarnation. I will put on an earth suit. I will set at liberty to the captive. I will heal the sick. I will cleanse lepers. I will cast out devils. I'll even die as you and I will get up as you because what the enemy thought they could stamp out, what religion thought it could stamp out, I came under my own volition to give freedom and hope to all of those who call upon the name of Jesus. It is Jubilee. It is Jubilee. If you are a blood-bought, how can I talk old school, Holy Ghost-filled, fire-baptized believer, if you have called on the name of the Lord, Jubilee is in you, Jubilee is on you, and Jubilee is with you. Stop walking around defeated. Stop looking as if it could have happened, but it didn't. Stop allowing yourself to wallow in yesteryear's sorrow. Jubilee is alive and well, and Jubilee is now. You ought to give God praise. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The weight of the world, the governments, will rest upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Emmanuel, God with us. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He will be the healing balm of Gilead. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the bright and morning star. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last. He is, he is, he is the I am that was in the burning bush with Moses, and he was I am at the tomb of Lazarus, and he is I am an abundant life Christian sinner today. It is Jubilee. He is alive. He is is well and he is working redemption has come redemption is complete redemption was manifest Redemption was manifest through three words. It is finished. It is finished. What? It. That very thing that's on the forefront of your mind, that very thing you're believing God for, these very requests, can I tell you something? When he hung on a cross and when he beckoned the words, it is finished, I want to tell somebody, here's a name, Aunt Kathy is going to be delivered. Uh, because it is finished. I want to tell you something. Because he is Jubilee. I want to tell you that Misty and her children will be saved. Can I tell you because he is Jubilee. Revival is at Abundant Life Christian Center. Can I tell you because it is Jubilee. Double pneumonia is canceled and cursed. And it will burn up and die. Because he is Jubilee. Can I tell you because he is Jubilee. Your entire family shall be 
be saved. Can I tell you that because it is Jubilee, your church will grow. Your lost loved ones will be born again. You will see financial increase because he is Jubilee. You're not going to lack. You're not going to mourn. You're not going to die. You're not going to give up because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He is Jubilee. Hallelujah!